0: Hello and welcome to Inspiration Boulevard, the podcast where we discuss the brilliance and creativity that exists within the field of mental health. I'm your host, Alan Hyde, and I am joined today by a close friend, Seneca. Seneca, can you pronounce your last name for me again? I butcher this. The whole time I've known you, I butcher your last name.
1: Yeah, so hi everyone. Seneca, last name, Negretti, or, you know, I guess that's like the... Caucasian way to say it. You can say (laughs) negrete. Negrete is a Mexican way, so Latino way. But yeah, I usually just say Seneca Negretti. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's what I was gonna say, Negretti, and I was like, I don't wanna. I'll just let her introduce herself.
1: Yeah, sometimes people pronounce it like where it sounds more Italian. So I get tons of different. Especially my first name's a little strange too. So I get all types of concoctions with that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think you were the. I've met Senecas since, but I think you were the first. Actually, like in my life, first Seneca I'd ever met.
1: Oh, see, ah, yeah. look at that! I'm loving it that. Looked, uh,
0: <laughs> that was what uh, 2016, I think, when we met back at Footprints. Was, Foot was it 17?
1: Um, I don't know. That's a good question. But if either way, that's still quite a while ago. Like I, it's already been that long.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Dang. <laughs> it might have been 2016 because it was like I think right when I graduated from Pepperdine. So yeah, 2016. I started like that. I got, I left for Thailand and then I came back and I started like right up at footprints.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, it's crazy to think, you know, like the time and, and just on the, the heels of the introduction, I, I just realized I didn't mention that you are also a licensed clinician. Um, and it's crazy to think, you know, especially with some of the people that I've brought on and been discussing it, like these years have just flown by. Like I remember when we were all interns and we're trying to figure things out. And now here we are licensed professionals just doing the thing.
1: Yeah. It's definitely a journey. Let's just say that it's okay. I feel like you're it's like it, you see the tunnel you're, you see it coming, but it's like, you know, like you're always searching to get to that end. And it's, it's like almost like they, no one prepares you for that piece. Right. So it's like you hustle through graduate school and you have like this, oh, I'm going to fix the entire world. And then <laughs> you get out and you're like, okay, hold on. There's so much extra things that go into it. Um, but yeah. yeah, that whole yeah, that journey. Whole, uh,
0: I, want, I want to help uh, change things for other people. But then it's like, oh, shit, I probably got to work on myself first. And
1: <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. You realize along the way that you got a lot of things to do on yourself first, especially because they you know, like that saying you can only take a client as far as you've been sometimes. So you got to go through some stuff first um, to kind of help someone get through some things.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I didn't really, um, you know, like I, I didn't fully understand that when I first got in the field and you know, I've talked about this on the podcast before, like being a dude, I was like a bull in a China shop when it came to my <laughs> emotions and, and didn't really fully understand the gravity of that until you get into the field and you're sitting across from people in the thick of it. Um, and then the invitation just over the years of doing this work of feeling your feelings and and digging into just kind of your own pains and hurts, um, and working on those things and working through them. It's, you know, it's an invaluable, like my therapist always says, you're, your you're the best tool, right? You're, you and yourself as the therapist, you're the best tool in the room. Um, and and like you were saying, you can only take the client as far as you've gone yourself. I've always gotten a better understanding of that over time.
1: Yeah, and it's like at first, like when I remember when I graduated, I heard that and I was like, well, that's kind of messed up because that's not very far for me. (laughs) (laughs) I remember thinking like, oh, I thought it came out like, no one, okay, I got this. And then the more, it's it's such a humbling experience to sit across from someone and really, almost, you know, sometimes they trigger things in you. Sometimes you're just like, oh, dang, I I don't know how I'm going to help you with that because I'm dealing with that right now, even in my current life. So there's a lot of things that get brought up. So you really got to do your own work and. Sometimes you don't even know you have that work to do until you, until someone pokes that button in you and you're like, "Mm, why would I have that weird reaction when that person said this or did that?
0: Yeah. Like, where did that come from? Like, you know, no one's ever, no one's ever said in quite a way that made me feel that feeling. I wonder what that is, you know? Yes. I'm I'm, I'm always curious, right? And, you know, you and I are good friends. I've known you for a while. We work closely on a lot of things, but I'm I'm always curious just from like, no matter the relationship or connection that I have with other therapists, what makes you want to get into this crazy line of work that constantly requires you to look at yourself? (laughs) What made you want to do this?
1: You know, it's funny is that that's, you know, as I'm doing the work, I can't imagine doing anything else. But it definitely isn't a career that is easy, I feel like, because you're constantly working on yourself. You're, like, forever a work in progress, which is exhausting on its own. Um, Every time you check a box, you're, like, you have a small moment of, like, oh, this feels nice. And then it's, like, you're slammed again with something else. So it's a very interesting field. But I actually started going to college to be a dentist. I did not.
0: How did I never know this?
1: yeah, I wanted to be like a dentist. I wanted to be like an orthodontist. I was like, okay, that's my jam. So I went to like school starting to be like, I took all like, like intro to med and like all this bio and chem stuff. And then I was like, I don't really want to do this. And I think what triggered it was I took a, like, I think what, like a sociology class and I was like, huh, like mind blown. Like, so, cause you know, I'm sitting talking about like biology and all these other things. And I'm like, this is not it wasn't stimulating for me. It was just like, oh, what job can I make a lot of money? That I'm like, oh, I can make people's teeth look nice. That sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was nothing else. There was no passion behind it. And then once I started, took the, I think that my first sociology class, I was like, okay, this feels better. And then I took a psychology class, and I'm like, ah, there it is. And so mm. I think I was like a year or two in before I was like, I switched my entire major. <laughs> I remember calling really? my mom, and I was like, mom this is what I'm going to do. And she was like, huh? She's <laughs> like, did, she's like, Seneca, did I, did I do something? Like as a, when you were a child, did I, like, she was like, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes.
1: you know, is there family, is there trauma there? Like she was trying to understand because, you know, I grew up, I was raised super religious. I went to Christian school and then I, and originally when I first switched to be a therapist or like in the world of psychology, I was like, I wanted to be a sex and relationship therapist. That was like what I originally wanted to do, and my mom was like, "Oh my gosh, like you went to college and now you're a heathen!" Like it was just.
0: (laughs) Damn right, mama.
1: (laughs) Yeah, she went through a bunch of things, and then you know she was like, "I was like, oh, you know, when I tell my when I tell my friends, what do I say that you do?" And I'm like, "Well, I just help people," and she was like, "But about sex, like she was just all (laughs) all confused."
0: <laughs> so that's
1: how I originally got into it, and then I just you know once I took those first classes, it kind of just clicked, and I think I found my passion and you know I went to cal state long beach was which is like a super activist school and yeah. uh, was my undergrad, so I was out there like marching for different rights i was you know it was a hu- they have a huge LGBT community, so I did all that and then you know they they're just really diverse in like the cal state system, so I was out there involved in a bunch of things i Obviously, I'm a feminist, so I was dealing with stuff with that. So I think it it went from like social activism to how can I do this on a more personal level and maybe have that individual affect their own community and their home lives. Um, But it was triggered mostly by the, I think, I think by the activism because like the sociology class is what got me and then it veered me into a different direction.
0: Well, I've always, you know, from the get go, right. When we met at that treatment center years ago, I've always appreciated that aspect about, you know, just the way you handle those things and and the balanced approach that you take where it's not like I'm going to come and burn your house down you know, or like, I'm going to throw a brick (laughs) through your window. It's, Hey, here's the issue and and here's how we can advocate for it. And also like, fuck you. And also like, I'll hear you out. You know, I've always appreciated the the boldness that you have, but also the balanced nature of like, you know, I'll protest where I need to protest and I'll let my voice be heard. And it's, you know, I think it's just a, a lot of, you know, it's it's that aspect that you bring to the table that I think uh, allows us to get a lot of things done, like on the different projects that we work on, where it's like, Hey, look, this is what needs to get done. And, and if you're in the way, like check it out. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. And that's always like, it's definitely been a challenge for me to find the balance because it wasn't natural at first. Like when I first was in, you know, undergrad, I was like, I don't know how to word this, like just balls to the wall, like everything and (laughs) (laughs) everything and anything was like, I wanted to fight. I wanted to protest like any underserved community population group. I was like, I'm going to be the voice for everybody, anybody who can't find it or can't have their own. And that I think exhausted me. So I had to really rein it in and be like, where is my balance? Because, you know, even this could go from any aspect of your life, but you're burnt out or if your cup is empty, you can't help a lot of people. So I really had to like learn where can I balance to fill, like fill my cup and then also to be able to give back. Cause there was a time where I wore myself pretty thin, like fighting for everybody else where I was like, I'm just so tired that I can't do it all the time. Yeah. And so I had to pull back and it was hard for me because my personality, as you said, Ellen, is very like, you know, I can be a lot, but I can also, like you said, you'll know my opinion. You'll know it's usually rooted in a lot of like love, but I'll definitely tell you usually what you're wrong. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and, and, and like, it's funny. Cause I think our group, right. Like and, and there's been a few from our little, you know, kind of community that have come on the podcast too. And you know, I think what I've, what I've noticed and just like speaking for myself too, is like the mellowing over the years of like, I know what my values are, uh,
1: mm-hmm. but I don't have
0: to be, I, you know, I don't have to be so aggressive about it because I'm taking care of myself, you know? And that's, that's one yeah. thing, the aspects of the people that I've kept close to me, like I've just witnessed that over the years. And yeah, you know, that's what I've always, you know, just noticed of our group. But, you know, since I have you right here in front of me, also, you know, what I've noticed of you mm-hmm. saying that too, is like, I think this is also where you and I have been close friends in. It's like yeah. I think we get each other in that. And also like, <laughs> it can be exhausting taking care of ourselves and uh making sure that we're we're not spreading ourselves too thin but still advocating for people in ways you know that show that hey I'm here to care about you I'm here to be here for you
1: yeah and that's something like I said like I I feel like I'm my type of personality is just I'm always very curious if I don't know I'm gonna find out because I don't like to be in the unknown in that way and so I'm always like hungry for that like, I'll I'll be the first to admit, like, if I don't know something, I'll be like, I don't know, can you show me? I have that, like, I've learned that humbleness, because if I don't, you know, I don't want to be the person also that sounds ridiculous, or just kind of speaks just to speak, like, you know, I don't want to be that. I've also learned, like, you don't need to be the loudest person in the room to make change. You can be, you know, the quieter one, or, or just lead by action, and, you know, lead with kindness, and sometimes that makes more ripples than, you know, blowing the whole place up, like you said, and like screaming and yelling and holding everything up. So, you know, there's a time and place for each one of those. And so I really had to navigate that because, you know, speaking with our current climate, like it's very hard for me not to stand up for every single thing that's been going on because I would be exhausted. But you know, I, I know for some people who don't know me, like I'm fair skin, but I'm also like bicultural and biracial, like I'm white, like I'm I'm Eastern European, I'm half Czech Republic, but I'm also, you know, half Mexican, half Latina. So I'm like split down the middle and then my family is super biracial. Like my stepdad's African American, like I have two black sisters. I, you know, I have my cousins are half Japanese, like my, my niece is Tongan, like we got everybody, we got the whole world in my family. <laughs> so I have just learned that level of tolerance. And so when it's not there, it's definitely really, like, it's really hard for me. I really gotta, it's like, it was definitely a learning experience. I've got to always ask and be humble and learn and not, it's yeah. not easy sometimes.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, it's a hard pill to swallow when you, especially I think like in the line of work that we do when you go outside and you just see people being rotten to each other. And, and that's something I like, I think even as a kid, I just couldn't wrap my mind around. Like even before you know what racism is, you know, or before you know what hatred is, you're, you know, if you're raised in a family that values like being good to other people, you walk outside and, and see the world that, you know, filled with people being rotten to each other. It's like, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think what, what's interesting when you were saying like the climate today, it's like I naturally like because I care about humans I would like to advocate for all of these things but there's like that balance like you were saying of not just making sure we don't exhaust ourselves but also like you know it's been real interesting as like feeling I have a lot of friends who've been talking about like I feel like I have to defend because I like defend myself because I haven't been advocating for all these things and I think mm-hmm. really, like, what you're, you're hitting on is, like, it's not that I don't care about all of these movements. It's just that yeah. I, I also have to protect my energy and help in the ways that I can, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that's hugely important. You know, it's something that, like, I've been grappling with this whole time is, like, the ways in which, like, as a white, straight male in America, mm-hmm. like, how do I advocate for these things in a way uh, from the perspective of, you know, what's going to be uh, the best way for me to utilize my energy in that you know, and it's, it's an ongoing conversation, you know, and I I think you hit the nail on the head, Seneca, Um, in the midst of my rambling, I guess I'll get to the point Mm -hmm. is, is really bringing it home to your community and the people that are around you.
1: you Yeah, definitely, especially because, I mean, you're going to, you're going to affect people that are usually closest to you, and so if you can start there and just kind of lead with, you know, even that humble, like that humble space of, like, I don't know, but I'm going to learn, you know, in the world that we have, especially, you know, in the U S we have, we can Google and look up anything. We have so much knowledge at our fingertips. Like, you know, to stay in that unknown space is also a sense of privilege and also a sense of ignorance, you know? So you really got to find that space, you know, you can have some like awareness moment, but like even in therapy, yeah, awareness can only get you so far if there's no action behind it, or if you don't move forward and take that next step, because then you're going to fall back into the same patterns. And so you know, as long as you kind of lead with that and take that knowledge and education and like, no, all of us are not going to be, you know, maybe human rights is not everybody's passion, but there should be a basic line there. Um, just, and that's kind of, even if we take that, you know, into therapy, there needs to, when you sit across from someone, regardless of what their experiences have been, like they're a human being that needs help. Um, and that's where you have to meet them at. And so I feel like if you don't do that work in other areas, It's going to be really hard to translate that into, to somewhere else too. Cause I've sat with, I've sat with a lot of clients who I would probably never be friends with or never approve of their lifestyle, but it doesn't mean that I go in there and I'm like, you know, I see you.
0: Right, I see right. you
1: and what's I'm, going on over there
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm here to judge you <laughs>
1: exactly, and, yeah. you know because then that that's that's negating anything of what I would be doing, and that's not how I am as a person anyways um and so you know I think you gotta do some of that work, and sometimes it's hard because i even though I'm mixed, I look like i'm I'm very very fair skinned, and so <laughs> I do wreak a lot of privileges that I have to just be constantly aware of because some people don't have that.
0: Yeah. You know, it's such an interesting conversation, you know, because that those words can be so scary. Right. And and I think it's because we live in a, a society or a world, at least a Western civilization where it's like, you got to be afraid of what you say. And you know, everyone's looking around over their shoulder because it's like, you know, it's, it's built on that foundation of like men can't show emotions, you know, or, women Mm -hmm. have certain roles or all that archaic black and white thinking where it's like, you can't say a certain thing now because there's cancel culture. Now, like the the reality of the situation is like, we've all got to be open enough with each other to be able to share where we're coming from, from a compassionate place. And I understand there's a lot of compounded trauma out there in the world. There's a lot of issues that are systemic and that aren't going to be resolved overnight, but you know, the judgment isn't going to make it any easier you know, the, um, the perspective that you have, like, it's so funny. I was, I was watching this thing where it was like, uh, you know, voice actors are coming forward and and deciding like, uh, I'm not going to be a voice actor for a race that I don't, you know, uh, embody. Right. And it's like, Mm. you know, I I was listening to a comedian talk about it and, you know, without like getting down that road too far, it was cracking me up. He's like, I watched X-Men as a kid every single day. I couldn't tell you a single name of one of the fucking voice actors. I don't know. (laughs) It's like, I think we need to be advocating in different ways like hey instead of you know worrying about like you know voice acting over a, a character that doesn't mm-hmm. share the same race as you like maybe within those like actor guilds give other people of different uh, races other opportunities and, and and advertise that maybe there's a, a route to do those kind of things like advocating, yeah. like you were saying like um uh, you know, kind of some of the things with activism that first got you in is like, let's use our voice in the ways where people can actually hear it, you know, mm-hmm. Not the shit that gets you PC points in the world. Yes. You know? No one cares about that. No one's listening. You know, like, good for you. Kudos. Okay. I'll forget yes. about that tomorrow. Who gives a shit? You know.
1: Exactly. And that's the thing that, you know, you got it. Because, I mean, sometimes... I think right now in our culture, it's like, oh yeah, if I don't say something, I'm damned. If I do, I'm damned. So it's like, you know, either way, everything right now is very, I mean, we are also creeping onto an election. So everything always gets so much more heated during this time. Um, But it's, you know, you really got to look at breaking it down and stay and trying to look at it in context because people try to remove it from context all the time right like well i'm not well look at i said something two years ago and i I, doesn't mean that i'm a racist you know or whatever the case may be so you really just got to boil it down and be like would you know would you from human to human is that something that you would do or say
0: or would you
1: care yourself because you know you can be and there's some people that are never going to say anything on a social platform or maybe out in public but you know they carry themselves in a way that you would call them if you needed them. They're always there for you. You know, they may put you first or they may make sure that they're always there, you know, so there's different ways of doing it. But like I said, it's, it's hard. Even someone like me, who's an ally and activist, it's hard not to not see it. Cause then I'm like, well, then what are you doing? You know, it's like, you know you're not fighting as hard as me or like why am I fighting harder than you so we really got to stay in that bubble of like just stay in my lane what can I do in my power because definitely be it can like I said it could be overwhelming and I think right now people are really tired and so then it comes off as like it really gets to the point where it's now just people are being mean and malicious and now when nobody's listening to anybody when it gets that way well
0: it gets to it gets to the unmanageable point you know and and it reminds me, you know, and I, I have a certain framework, right? And you know, I've, I've shared with you, I attend Al-Anon meetings every week. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I have the framework of just a systemic alcoholic home and where, where things get real unmanageable, whether it's society or families or relationships, is when we feel like I've, like you were saying, I got to go outside of my lane to take care of someone else's behaviors. Yeah. Uh, and the, the quickest way back to peace and centeredness is taking care of your own. Um, and I think we, we're witnessing not just with COVID, but with you know the riots and the protests and Black Lives Matter and the different movements that we have going on. You know, people get into the place of the unmanageable argument of like, I'm going to change the way you think. Well, Newsflash, you never have control of that. The racist fuck out there that you don't want to associate with anyway is never going to change his mind because you said some clever words. You yeah. know, and I wish it could. I like, you know, I, I have some ideas on, you know, utilizing not just words but you know maybe uh (laughs) some physical Mm -hmm. altercations to get people to believe certain things but saner uh saner minds prevail uh, yeah
1: (laughs) and that's something that i think we've always been able to like you know we're friends and we've related on it's like i also come from an alcoholic family i come from substance use in my family and so it's hard for me sometimes because i i I you know I grew up with my dad who was an alcoholic and I had to sometimes step out of my role as a child to be able to help him or be a caretaker or cover up for him so when I see the same things going on in the world they're like you know you want to fix or save but, you know like that codependency kind of creeps mm-hmm. in and then I notice that I am more chaotic in my life and I just don't feel a 100% when I start to bleed into doing that and mm-hmm. it's hard because I got to check myself pull myself back in and then like, hey, get back onto track of like what you were doing to be the best version of you and get back to like helping in the ways that you can help. And you're not going to change, you know, even some of my closest friends, you know, I'm not going to change their opinion. They may think differently than me. And, you know, also as a therapist, you know, I, 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 I won't say I'm one type. Like I don't definitely don't pick one theory. I don't know if there's a lot of therapists <laughs> out there that do that, but yeah. like I lean a lot on narrative. I was, I, you know, my graduate school was Pepperdine. And so everybody has their own story and every story is different and they all breed different thinking minds. And that's, I think, something that's beautiful and we can all hear the same story and come up with so many other different conclusions or how we should act or perceive a story. So it's like, I'm not going to change your story. We definitely were not raised the same. Um, I just hope that you can lead with like love because sometimes it's just so much hate that that's the part that I'm like, you're missing a lot there.
0: Yeah. You know, it it, it cracks me up too. Cause like, I think about our group where it's like, I can't, I can't tell like the listeners how many times we've been in a meeting. And my friends are like, that was dumb Alan. And it's like, I I can laugh about it, you know, because these people care, you know, like I I look across, I see Seneca. I know she cares about me. I look across and see Sam. I know she cares. They're not going to tell me it's a dumb idea if it's not a dumb idea, but it still came out of my mouth. And I, I think the reality is like the compassion of being able to share that in society as a whole. Is like, you know, I, I don't, I'm not talking about grace for racist comments and racist actions. I'm talking mm-hmm. about grace for abdicating in the ways in which you think is right and compassionate, right? And, yeah. And able to take those, like, different approaches. And knowing that, like, hey, look, you, you may have said something stupid here, um, and it's not that I, I didn't hear it. It's that that was a dumb, was a dumb thing to say. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, you know, God bless, I'll probably take flack on this, but it's like, you know, look no further than, like, Donald Trump's Twitter post, you know what I mean? Like yeah. he does some good things, but God damn it. He says some things where I'm like, dude, shut the fuck up. What are you saying?
1: <laughs> yes. And that's the thing that's really hard is, you know, there's going to be a lot. And, and everybody makes mistakes. We're all going to say, like, I'm sure I've, you know, I've said some things that I'm like, ooh, that was a learning point for me, you know, but you got to be able to have that space where you can, somebody can, not necessarily use the word check you, not check you, but someone can lead with love and be like, hey. I know a little bit more about you on this. This is how it was perceived. And therefore maybe moving forward, let's not use that because you know, you could offend someone or you hurt me in that way. And um, that's where people need to grow and learn. But there's, I feel like there's so much ego involved that it's like, what are you going to tell me that I don't know? Or why? Oh, then it goes into, you know, everybody's so sensitive these days, but it's really not sensitivity. We should have actually had these, it's boundaries and respect. But For some reason, the U S misses the boundaries and the respect part. All the
0: time. Well, it's like look when uh Marianne Williamson was gonna run for president. She's running on a platform of like purely self-love, like just the concept of like mental health, and everyone's like, fuck you, bitch. She's talking about like she wants to care about you and you're you're like ready to burn her house down. Like, god damn it, just let her be a good person. You know, and and it it reminds me like the way you are just highlighting that and and just like the work that I know you do too, and, and being able to sit down in a therapeutic you know, or just a conversation with someone and be able to say the hard thing, but from a place of compassion. Yes. I'm curious if you could, you could highlight a little bit more of that, because I think a lot of people perceive, you know, and this is like with the stigma around mental Mm -hmm. health, it's like they perceive therapists as like, well, they're just going to call me out on my shit, or they're going to tell me I'm doing things wrong. And, you know, I know from my perspective, like, I'm going to be, I'm going to use caring confrontation at times, but you're the Mm -hmm. expert of your life. You know. Yeah. So I'm curious if you could shed some light on just that perspective.
1: Yeah. And you know what's funny is because okay, so I'm gonna use an example. Like I've seen obviously multiple therapists, you know, that term therapist needs therapist. So we all have C therapists. I have one as well. And like some of the like, I've been through some really good ones and some ones that I'm like, huh, questionable. Um, <laughs> but but some of the my most favorite therapists or even some of my favorites like supervisors have been ones that have called me out. And I remember sitting there sometimes and I'm like, Hmm, like almost pissed off. Like it, like, I want to say something that's like so mean. Cause I'm like that, what the hell? Mm. And then I leave and I'm like, huh? Like it makes me think it's forcing me to grow outside of what I'm used to. Or sometimes you just got to hear the ugly shit to be able yeah. to be like, dang, like, I already kind of knew it, but I didn't want to face it. Therefore here it is now. And someone else told me, and I'm like, so then it it really challenges you. And, and then when I come back and, you know, it's funny is my best, some of my favorite therapists some of my favorite people challenge me all the time. And I, they trigger something and I'm like, Oh, hell no. And then I come back (laughs) and I'm like, that was the thing I needed to hear in that moment. And it's just like a, it's a certain type of love. And obviously not everybody responds that way, but sometimes, you know, I, I definitely can't have a very passive therapist. I can't have somebody that's, you know, I don't need the head patting or the, you know, the good job. And sometimes the people in life sometimes need that. And so it's just finding something that you need. But every time I've had someone do that confrontation with me, it's been from a, such a loving place yeah. that I can't, I can't even, like, I get mad because I'm triggered. Like, I hear the words. But then when I sit with like their feelings, I'm like, dang, I can't even be mad at you because (laughs) you led with such a beautiful, kind heart that I'm like, okay, well, I can't do anything besides be vulnerable and show you my heart too. And that is where people need to meet in the middle. And it's people sometimes believe like sometimes, you know, when that vulnerability happens, people think that it's like, warm and fuzzy and I feel great no like you're most time it's you're pissed off Sure, (laughs) you're pissed off and you're angry and there's some sense of you know shame that's attached to it because you don't want to show that side of you but I think if you were to strip that down and just sit in that feeling that's where the magic happens to be honest that's in my opinion that's where it really shines
0: Yeah, you know, that's the invitation my therapist always gives me. And, you know, she's done the whole recovery thing for 30 years, like she's engaged in both AA and Al-Anon. She's been a therapist for that timeframe. And, you know, she always invites me at the end of the sessions, like, hey, go do the work. You know, and in the beginning, a lot of that work, I I think I've told you this story as well, Seneca, where like I was ducking and diving those al meetings when I first started seeing this therapist. Yeah. She, she saw me coming a mile away, man. <laughs> and she, she about our third session, I, I had not been given it any any paying any mind to it. And she leaned in and said, probably the statement that will stick with me for the rest of my life. And that was, I'm unwilling to take your money. If you're unwilling to do the work. And oh, I, shit. I was, I was so perplexed um it like knocked me back in my chair I was so like thrown back and the more I've sat with it like I've worked with her for a while now and and that's the one statement where it's like that's what shifted me into like okay I'm ready to do the work you know yeah I mean, it because I was ready but she recognized that I needed to hear that because I was ready I or why else am I sitting in that room why else am I paying her you know yes and, and I think that is like the that's the benefit of going to therapy. It's like, hey, is there enough rapport, like you were saying, like with the head padding mm-hmm. stuff? And then look, that's great, and I'll validate you and I'll align with you, meet you where you're at. Mm-hmm. And also the conversation of like, hey, you just told me that you didn't like that you were fucking this up, so I'm I'm here to present you with an alternative.
1: <laughs> yes, and 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 it's not even like it's you like you, like she said, you can do it or not do it. That's not going to affect her, but it's going to affect you. Like you know, you right. can say that you want to change. But talk is kind of cheap, you know, so you can say that you want to do that. But at the end of the day, you have to do the work. Like I always, I was, um, since I'm a clinician, I work for Orange County Healthcare Agency and I uh, work for the crisis assessment team. So my entire job really is to just do assessments on minors 18 and under and determine if they are, you know, need acute care. So danger to themselves, talking about suicide, danger to other people, you know, homicidal thoughts or gravely disabled, meaning due to mental illness, cannot take care of themselves, right? And so sometimes I, we have what, you know, for lack of a better term, we call them frequent flyers, kids that we constantly see often. And there was this one girl that sticks out to me all the time. She's been hospitalized, let's say, over 20 times. She's under the age of 18. And I remember when, you know, I was talking to her and she kind of just said, I want to go, I want to go back to the hospital. I was like, okay, but like, what are you doing? Like, you know, obviously that's not working for you. And I don't think, and she was fairly young. And so I'm, you know, after a while, like, you know, we went back and forth, I was doing the assessment. And then I told her, I said, you know, at some point, something's got to give, like, this is a revolving door now, you know, you can have all the help and the best people in the world and the best family at the end of the day, if you don't want to get better, sorry, kid, but you're not going to get better. Like, you know, and she kind of looked at me. And then I was like, you know, you have a therapy session for one hour out of what 24 hours out of seven days. So you think that one hour that person is, you know, sorry, we're not magicians, we could be good. And we're pretty badass. But we're not going to fix all of that. You know what I mean? You got to do some work. And and it's mind blowing. I mean, I guess it's stigma, but it's also just the lack of knowledge that people have that if I see a therapist, boom, like I'm back in business, I'm better.
0: Yeah, it's, you know, I've heard it referred to, you know, in a lot of different ways over the years, but it's always like, um, I think the biggest obstacle is when it's viewed as the last ditch effort, you know, yes. yeah. and it's like, why, why are you counting yourself out so, so much um, when you got all this potential? And I think it's just, I've always, I've always appreciated Like even what you were saying is like, Hey, something's got to give, that's an invitation for you to see, like there's all this potential on the back end of being a human and the potential you have with the years that are ahead of you, you know, and, and and being able to plant that seed early on, you know, or it's like, look, it'd be easy for me to send you to the hospital right now, but I'm going to do you a solid and and, and tell you at the same time, you know, you can make that choice, but something's, you got to try something different
1: yeah it's interesting because you said like what well, you said the last dish effort that's so true I feel like I've even had friends that come to me and they're like oh well you're a therapist you're a clinician do you think I need to go and they start telling me all this stuff and I'm like just do you does you do you literally have to have your house burned down before you call the insurance company because I'm very confused of like why do you have to wait until everything in your life is you know you hit rock bottom for the lack of better words but like before you can need that you need you know know that you need to maybe grow or change or there's things about yourself that maybe you're not happy with. Like, I don't like, then that's that thing that, you know, it's probably the stigma that holds people back. Like that there's something quote unquote wrong with them. Therefore their life is, is like a disaster. Therefore that's where they need to go. But I think because I sit with kids in that space where they're literally crawling, you know, they're not, they don't even want to live anymore it's like, you know, those conversations are going to look a little different, but when you sit there with them and, you know, especially cause I, I mean, I don't know if it's the time with, like, if it's a generation, I don't know what's going on, but our numbers have increased, you know, even prior yeah. to pandemic, like,
0: yeah, they were going up either way. Yeah. And
1: I don't even know as like when I was a kid, I'll speak openly. I never thought of killing myself. I never thought of that. And so I didn't even, you know, that never even crossed my mind. And so it's interesting. Like when I sit with kids now and there's so many, whether they come from wealthy families, like low income families, like, you know, there's a lot of things going on, but it's just like mind blowing and staggering numbers. Like something's, something's going on yeah. and it's affecting all of our youth.
0: Yeah. You know, and, and, the verdicts out on whether or not that's a mixture of social media stuff and the, you know, the yeah. level of bullying that they're dealing with on the social media stuff. They're like, I can't comprehend. Cause it didn't exist when we were in school that way. Yeah. It kind of started to become a thing towards the end of high school. Um, yeah. And, you know, you, you'd hear about it, you know, and, and kind of, you know, I, I can't really speak to it at all because I was a male athlete, you know? So like not only was technology not as, as advanced, but I wouldn't have been a target for some of those conversations. So it's, it's a very, yeah you know, we'll see if like, you know, in time there's research that proves that there's some links there, but either way, it's, it's such an internal conversation. I think like the more I've contemplated or the more I've had these discussions about the stigma around mental health. So I think a, a big thing is like, you know, I think a lot of people stop at the injustice that they see in the world. And they, you know, and, and like you were saying earlier of like the ways I want to abdicate for it or, or be an activist. You know, I think mm-hmm. a lot of people have pure intentions, but, you know, then you start talking about like the lack of motives or motivation to do those things. Or you start talking yeah. about like the depression that sets in because there is something internal that they're not talking about. So they're not doing the things to fulfill them. And then you come up against like, if I am going to talk about those things, are people going to view me as weak? But like what people, because the person down the street is dealing with the same thing. Exactly. And then you get in the room. And I think this is really where it boils down to is what what people probably ultimately know is when I pick up that phone and make the call, I've just made a decision that now I have to look at the thing. Now I have mm-hmm. to look at the thing that's causing me pain, and that is a huge, huge ask. That's a huge yeah. ask. Like even once you're in the room, that's a that's an yeah. obstacle. How do we get the layers removed to get to the place of pain because that's where the healing is.
1: Exactly, and it's it's it's. Every time I sit with a kid at first, like, if they don't know what their PR is or what we do or, you know, even just what, like, the crisis assessment team does. Um, so when I get in there and after, like, you know, we have the hard conversations and the difficult topics and we, we, we really boil down to what's going on, they're always like, oh, I could do this. And I'm like, what did you think that was going to happen in here? Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, did you – because they always see me as, like, when I first walk in, they, you know, they view me like – scary, or I'm going to take them away from their family, like, you know, all these horrible things of whatever stigma and whatever their family, preconceived notions that they had of what was going to happen. And then after they're like, Oh, like, this wasn't so bad. Like I could do this. And you know, they feel better after or whatever. And so I think if people just leaned in with that idea that, Hey, I don't know what this could be, but if there's something that's going to help, why not try it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and even even with that, like, you know, kids are so pure. I think they get in and they realize like, whoa, okay, like I would actually like to do this. And I think adults have that too, right? They're all running around with their inner child or else why are they actually childish? (laughs) You know what I mean? But like I think if more adults could accept the process of therapy and like realize like, oh, I can do this. And that there is a lot more grace out there than not for when you make mistakes and, and do, you know, Like even, even when, you know, your department gets called or when the county gets called to come out to see these kids, Mm -hmm. like, you know, the support is for the parents, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and and that's where I think a lot of the problem is too, at times where it's like the parents are denying it. Like, I I don't want to get in trouble. Like, well, I'm not here to tell you you're in trouble. I'm here to to support you. I'm the good guy. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Don't shoot the messenger.
1: Exactly. And that's a lot of the times what happens is, you know, we definitely, definitely shoot the messenger. And then once we're there, they're like, okay, you know they realize that there is a lot of like support or tools that we can give them. And yeah, it's, it it, you know, it's sad that, you know, a lot of, I would say our youth are very, they're changing because they have more knowledge of mental health than I did as a kid. Yeah. I'll say that they're, they're definitely more vocal. They are more, you know, they're linked into human rights and way more than I was as a kid, you know, like, they know terms, they, they carry themselves, like, you know, they do other crazy things, but they, yeah. <laughs> at least when it comes to like mental health and the changing of the stigma, I have to give it to them. Like, I think it's our, our older generation that are struggling with that, but our youth are doing okay. Surprisingly with that topic. Every time I go they're they're usually on, and on pretty good key with knowing that they're not okay.
0: Yeah. Or knowing like what some of the avenues are. You know, and, and it's interesting, you know, with, with kids kind of coming up in a culture that is more accepting of, of mental health. We'll, we'll see how that shakes out as it's, I think, a direct clash between the old school of like, I don't want to be seen and the new school. that's like, hey, everything needs to be seen. I think there's a balance.
1: Yeah, there's a balance. Oh, now,
0: sure. now we're talking contained vulnerability. I'm not going <laughs> to the grocery store and telling the person I'm buying bread from that, you know, at six years old, this thing happened to me. You know, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Exactly. But but I will have a conversation with a friend around the concepts of my emotional experiences and how I take care of myself. And that's contained vulnerability. You know, I don't need to tell you all the details about the things that were horrific that happened to me in my life to get across the point of like, hey, these are some of the things I might feel in situations when I'm triggered and this is how I take care of myself. That's contained vulnerability. Yes.
1: And I think that that's definitely like a learned behavior. Cause you're right. Everything right now is like shown in mass. Like I need to talk about my breakfast and then talk about this and then yeah. everything is open. And I think at some point, you know, that's definitely not healthy either. Like you said, um, but also closing down completely. That's mm-hmm. not either. So it's, and it's funny cause I don't know, you know, I, I think it's like with help of therapy or, you know, having even great, your even, even your own community or your tribe that helps you do that because that's where you learn that, um, yeah. learn when to like navigate those waters when to be vulnerable because I mean everybody even if everybody listening or even me and you we can think back to a story when we were in high school or whatever that like we tried to be vulnerable and that shit blew up
0: sure. <laughs> in our face yeah.
1: and so it's like you know we all learned that lesson sometimes you know that some were uglier than others but I think our sometimes our youth is struggling with finding that balance at the moment
0: yeah, well, you know, and I think it's it's hugely important now more than ever, and and it's under attack because of something completely outside of our control—a pandemic that's keeping us from communities. And I think that's yeah. why, like, we saw such a spike in things like suicidality. Um, mm-hmm. And isolation is is just a huge factor when it comes to those things. But you know, I'll, I'll be really honest here: is like, I the concepts we're talking around, like figuring out how to regulate your emotions or have some contained vulnerability or connect with people, I didn't start to learn that shit and talk as well into my twenties. Um, because, it, and I had great parents. I had parents who loved yeah. me. I had parents who were there. They had their limitations. And there was a lot of things that I needed to learn in regards to, you know, what it means to be a man who feels his emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't really start to grow up in those things and take care of my own inner child until I was about 29 sitting in an Army. You know, mm-hmm. it took, it takes time and I don't know what the ingredients are to it, but I know therapy is a factor. Um, it, just to speak from personal experience, I would have never fucking went to al if my therapist didn't advise me to do it.
1: You know? Yeah, exactly. And sometimes you just need that push from wherever it comes from. That's fine. You know, I mean, some people need to hit rock bottom. Some need to just have a friend that tells them to go. Some can find it through whatever, calling a number, like, you know, however you get there, as long as you get there, you know. Um, and it looks different for every single person. You know, it's hard, I think, for multiple different reasons, but I think you just have to be willing to, and this could be also U.S. issue, but, you know, we're always seen as individuals. You know, we lack the fact that we're not meant to be individuals alone fighting the entire world. Um, we're meant to be community-based, and some of the healthiest, most happiest people have nothing but community, right. and they're thriving. And you know, we have abundance of everything. We live in the world of excess, but yet all of us are on some type of antidepressant, some type of anti-anxiety med. Like we're not okay right now, and yet, no. you know, and then obviously with the whole COVID situation going on, the pandemic, like that definitely affected people. Like I'm usually more of an extrovert. um, But even though I'm an extrovert and I, you know, when the pandemic hit, I was like, Oh my gosh, like, how am I going to do this? My mentality was like, well, I love, once again, I'm an activist and I'm, I put others needs and wants sometimes ahead of mine. So like I may not be a high like person that if I get sick, I may not die, but I'm not gonna put somebody else's life in danger because of that. So it's a community thought about that, right? And I think that's where people are getting stuck. Like, well, I'm fine, therefore I'm gonna move on. But you you it's not self-centered. It's not about you, it's about others, right now.
0: Yeah. You know, it's it's <laughs> it's a paradoxical experience, but I think like the best way I, I I've been able to wrap my mind around it is, you know, it's it's kind of like the world's invitation right now to really grasp what's in your control and what's not in your control and i think especially as a western culture right america where we're told from day one go out and get yours and if someone else has it you have the power to take it and the reality is you don't right exactly you have control of, of how you feel right and how you feel about yourself and how you choose to behave you know right. and, and when i to clarify that, right? Like how you feel about yourself. Like, do I like myself or do I not like myself? You get, yeah. You, you get you have control over that and how you choose to behave. The, the rest of it, right? You, you don't have much control, if any, you know, it's just about being a good person and, and taking the steps to get what you want, you know?
1: Yeah. And it's funny because I feel like a lot of people are so like subjective, like, oh, like, yes, here we go. Therapist, be a good person, right? Like this term, Oh, there we go. You know, you just want world peace and to be good people, you know, but at the end of the day, like that's really what you should, somebody should thrive to be like. And
0: sure.
1: this the scary thing is that it is so subjective, right? What's good to me may not be good to you, but it's like, if you just lead with that idea that I'm going to love on everybody. Then, then we should be pretty close yeah. <laughs> to where we're meeting.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty few and far between that I walk away from a situation thinking like, man, I really want to punch that person. You know, yeah. it happens, and that's why I'll never be a saint. And I think I'm okay <laughs> with that at this point in yeah. my life. But like more often than not, you know, the, the little places of enlightenment of like, man, I used to get really pissed at that. And now I can just let it go you know, and I only ever found that like through the concepts you were touching on, right? Therapy, community, and and being around people who understand what it was like to go through some of the things I went through. And I I think the more we can find that, um, and, and that's why, like, you know, the, the work that you do with these kids and introducing that to them early on, right? Like, Mm -hmm. those are the things where I, I know you and I've had conversations like this before, like with our group as well. It's like, those are the things I wish I had when I was younger, you know? Yes. And I think this this younger generation is fortunately benefiting from another younger generation who understands that that's been lacking a little
1: bit. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, I remember I, my 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 family. My dad was an alcoholic, and we were. I went to tons of groups and went with things with him. And so I remember sitting. My mom made us one time going go to a therapist. I remember being so pissed off. And I remember I was sitting there, and I'm like, I'm not going to participate. I think I was probably like 12 or 13. I took a book in there, and I was trying to be so stubborn that I was I'm gonna read I don't care you guys talk amongst yourself I'm not gonna do this and I my book was upside down the whole time and I wasn't clearly reading and the therapist knew that but she just let me be and I remember at the end she was like how was your book and I was like oh it was so good thank you and it's funny just because how much effort I put into not wanting to do it even though I listened the whole time and I was like huh I remember going back the next time and I put my book away, but it's like, you know, it it really takes some time, like let the people, if they need to be stubborn, let the ones that are going to learn late, let them learn late, just love them anyways. And I think that's what I learned in that moment with that therapist. I'm like, she could have easily... Because I left there, I remember feeling I was so embarrassed. I'm like, oh my gosh, like my book. Because I noticed it that my yeah. book was upside down, <laughs> and
0: I'm just like, I she was just so she just let you sit with that. <laughs> and
1: I was so embarrassed, and I was like, oh my gosh. And then when she asked me, and I answered like, oh, it was so good. It was about th- I made this whole story up, and I'm just like, you know, if sometimes that's okay. Like if we need to keep the blinders on a little bit longer, but at some point you've got to just you got to rip, almost like rip the bandaid off, ask me what the book was. And I'll tell you sometimes, you know, and I think I was young, so I just lied, but now I'm like, I'm okay with myself and I know myself to be like, I just don't know. I don't know, but I'm here to learn anyways. Like help me, help me understand it.
0: Yeah. You know, and I I like that, that concept too, of like allowing You at that age, that therapist allowing you to sit there with the book upside down so that later on you could be like, fuck, like maybe I maybe I'll go about this differently next time you know, and because mm-hmm. we all know that therapist and, and we've all worked with, with therapists that are like, yeah, I went in there and I fucking, I told them what they needed yeah. to do. And it's like, well, what are you fucking dad? <laughs> mom? Like, why are you reprimanding <laughs> your clients? That makes no fucking sense to me. That's not exactly. why they're paying, you. <laughs>
1: exactly. they're paying
0: you to make observations. Sure. But not tell them what to do. That's, that's, they, if you want someone to tell you what to do, go get a life coach, but I'll tell you right yeah. now, the changes you're looking for probably are going to take exponentially longer with a life coach who's telling you exactly what to do yeah. than going and seeing a therapist who isn't gonna tell you shit to do but is gonna tell you what you're telling them that you're doing.
1: Yeah. It, it's definitely. the weirdest
0: paradox in life, but I'll tell you what, I've worked with a lot of life coaches. They're great humans. Uh, but the, the leaps and bounds I've made in my life were through therapy. Yeah,
1: exactly. And and that's the thing, I just hope that everybody can some however you get there, just get there. Um, you know, and also when you work with someone you'll know when you I you know, need to take a break and not, you don't know, think you need to spend your whole life in therapy, but get to a place where you're good and like life, trust me, will throw some shit at you where you're like, okay, I got to go back. Okay. Um, I got it. I didn't, I thought, and even when, even when you think that you, oh, I got this, I got this on luck. I've mastered that skill. I'm prime. And then something's going to happen. You're like, oh, shoot. Just
0: kidding. <laughs> yeah. I,
1: I'm shoot. actually not as good as I thought I was.
0: Yeah. Yeah, maybe I should check this self-righteous thing at the door.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: So we, you know, just a step back a moment, a little bit. That kind of jumped off from your inspiration of being an activist, right, and and getting involved in some of those things at Cal State Long Beach. And you also highlighted for us you had gone to Pepperdine. Was it just the activism pieces you would say, like, initially inspired you and then once you found like an avenue to do those things that jived with you kind of got you into the field or were there other components that really inspired you to do this work
1: i think there are other components i think like you know like i said when i coming from an alcoholic family i think i went to a lot of therapy like a lot of family therapy um not too much individual a lot of like al-anon groups um stuff like that and i think that when i was younger i was so resistant because I was you know young and naive and I was like this isn't my issue this is my dad's issue and I couldn't understand the concept that like my dad is we're a unit this is a family therefore it affects all of us and I think I always had that in the back of my mind I remember thinking like well this therapy like when I when we used to go to family therapy I was like well this therapist can hold space for my family when my family had no hope and I remember being like huh that's pretty cool I don't know how she does it but that's pretty cool. And I know like, you know, so even though I, I went into college thinking I'm going to be a dentist, I think in the back of my mind, I always ha- knew that was there. And then once I came into like the sociology class and then the activism that always just had a pulled on my heart to just be there for other humans and fight for others, I think it led me back to like, what the hell was I playing myself? I was always meant to go down this road. Um, I just took kind of a longer way to get there and, you know seeing my, seeing my dad struggle and seeing my family and then seeing what the, uh, what therapy can do. Um, because obviously like, you know, spoiler alert, but like my dad passed away from alcoholism. And so not that she fixed him. Cause that's not what was, you know, people think sometimes if I go to therapy, I'm going to save my marriage, I'm going to be, this is going to happen. And like, you know, no, it's, it's not, didn't have a happy ending, but it helps like our family reunite and like me, my sister, my mom are stronger because of it. And, um, I learned a lot about myself and so there was no happy ending there, but it wasn't really, wasn't really about the ending. It was about the process and the journey through that. Um, looking back now, I can't even imagine if I were to do that without any form of therapy or any groups or, so I think all of that fueled, fueled me in the direction of, okay, like, I've benefited, I've seen what it does, therefore, like I'm willing and I need to pay it forward, and like my heart only kind of lies in that space now that I have this like almost like this fire and this passion to just pay it forward, um however that may look like
0: yeah well you know it's it's a privilege to you know and, and an honor to do this work and and it's it's also like no no matter how true those things are, it's always beautiful to hear like. It's just really, really good people that are, Mm -hmm. you know, stepping into and leaning into a desire to be there for others. Yeah. Yeah. I've always known that about you and, you know, it's just nice to, you know, just even on the concepts that you and I identify with and that is to, to carry that message. They're like, Hey, look, life can be pretty shitty, you know, and, and it's not fun to look at those things, but but I think what we're seeing here is an example in Seneca's brave share there that this is a shining example of someone who models for the rest of us, what it looks like to take care of yourself and, and not just be stronger in it, but face it, you know, and to, yeah. to stand tall in that, you know?
1: Yeah. Which definitely is hard. Like, you know, I, I had to learn that skill. I didn't just get to face it on my own. Like I, there was definitely times that I've cowered and didn't, but I think I'm at this point in my life and over the past like couple of years that I'm just like, what was that fear if I just turned around and faced it anyways? Like, I'm going to get it. I'm going to have to face it at some point. Why not do it now? Um, And there was no answer for why I wasn't really doing it. (laughs) Um, Like, you know, if I lose people because I grow, then I wasn't meant to have them. Or I can be grateful and blessed that I had the opportunity with them and then I move forward. Like, there, you know, there is – I saw this quote the other day that, that someone said that there is so much loss in growth that some people aren't prepared for it and it's so true like when you grow and you know you shed and you you move forward like you really got to let go of a lot of things that you maybe weren't prepared to and and that's the part that's hard I think because that's a fear-based thing like we want to hold on to people that are close to us or like things or whatever it may be but As you grow, you realize, like, I don't really need that. And that's not healthy for me. And I'm not benefiting from it. Like, why the hell do I even have that? Whatever that may be. And, you know, you're not only facing parts of yourself, but you're now, like, losing so losing pieces of you that you didn't even want to lose to begin with. And then here yeah. you are like, I got to cut that out, you know?
0: Yeah. You know, and, and I've always, you know, I, I read this book called heart wounds and it talks about like the link between trauma and grief and loss. And there's this concept that it talks about like in, exactly in those ways you were highlighting of, uh, you know, when you're grieving, uh, the loss of like a situation with a person, it's, it's not just losing the person it's grieving also like the way things were and the way that you wanted them to be like the way that you expected them to be. Now we're yes. talking about like expect, expectations leading to resentments and, and yeah. grieving all of that. Like it's a it's a tall order. It's a big task and it's, it's a big ask. And that's what yeah. therapy is. It's asking you to do the hardest work you're ever going to do in your life for the greatest gains you'll ever have in your life.
1: Yeah. And sometimes it could be so lonely because I mean, if you're doing that and whether you like, you know, let's say you don't have a therapist and you're trying to navigate these by yourself and you have to let go of something like you said, losing a relationship or losing it, like, you know, and then you have to process all that. And then what the expectations, there's so much in there that if you, it can feel so isolating and so lonely that people will just revert back to it because they're like, I, I can't do this. This is too much or too overwhelming. Um, cause I've seen it happen all the time yeah. and, you know, and it's, and it's hard, but sometimes I feel like I'm at this point in my life where I'm just like, if it's hard, just bring it. I've, I'm tired, <laughs> but like, I just got to do it. You know what I mean? Because I've seen the gains, like when it does work and I think there's just no other way of doing it now. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, I think everybody gets there in their own time, you know, and within their own bandwidth, like you were saying, right. It's like, you know, at, at whatever point it gets to where it's like, look, I'm just exhausted, you know, bring it on. You know, I'm ready to face it. I'm, yeah, I'm kind of tired of doing this shit over here. You know, I know yeah. that this, is, this has just been too, too much pain. You know, I'm just, I'm tired yeah. of at this point. I might as well give this other thing a shot. A lot of times it's, you know, the process of therapy is sitting with people until they get to that point. You know, like, okay, yeah. I see it. Right. Let's, let's do some work.
1: So I'm wondering if therapists, like, as you're saying that, I'm like, I think I talked to my friend about this the other day. I'm like, are we like, what's the one that likes pain? Is that sadist or masochist?
0: <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably a bit of both, but I think masochist.
1: So I'm like, like so it, yeah. are we just masochists at heart because we like, not necessarily we like it, but we are open to it because we know it's going to cause pain. But it's, we know that there's an outcome that could be greater. So it's like, we have to endure pain to have some sense of almost like, pleasure or some sense of joy and so I'm like are we just like deep down a group of like masochist individuals that endure this type of work because because why
0: <laughs> well I mean it's it's <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of people laughing as they hear this and you know it's funny it's like that's a funny way to put it and and you know I guess the way that, that it's been posed to me recently is like you know, you start to peel these layers back, right? Like the proverbial onion, if you will. But it's, I I think the it's a spiritual practice on top of right, that mindful practice of not just right, like if you're recovering from substances, if you will, right, there's the physical, you know, recovery. And then there's the mental, emotional and spiritual recovery. Yeah. And, and the concept I've been, because I'm like working, I'm in the midst of a fourth step right now and and going Mm -hmm. through some of, like the resentments and having those conversations. If I'm not in pain, the healing process hasn't started yet. You mm-hmm. know, and that's, that's what my sponsor always reminds me. And so it's like, maybe I'm, maybe, maybe we're masochists, but I think what we're, what we're really doing is getting close. Like we approach the place as close as we can of healing and we stay there as long as we can. And yes. I think it's like our, our clients will dip their toes in and the only difference between us and them is that we've gotten really, really good at training a skill to stay in the pain a lot longer, yeah, with massive support, I mean our, our whole field is support, so it's like yeah. no, you know we stay there longer, you know,
1: yeah, exactly, that's a great way of putting it because you're right, like we've obviously I didn't just magically become like today be able to oh, I just you know I'm able to sit in the pain, you know, <laughs> and so <laughs> it definitely takes a lot of work and it's a lot of time and effort um but that's a, that's a great way of putting it because we do have a lot of support as well, you know. Even when we're whether in school or out, and then you have family and friends, and you know, a lot of therapists have other therapist friends because I think we just <laughs> we're like a certain we're a different group, a breed of individuals. So.
0: Yeah, we're just um, a we
1: just, breed of human. Yeah, we just kind of cling to other ones. um My boyfriend actually said that the other day. He was like, he put in the terms of ice cream, so he was like, so I was having issues with a friend who's who's not a therapist um, at all, works in a completely different field. And I just have had like small little issues with her recently. And he was like, Seneca, but if you think about it this way, all of your friends are therapists. And I'm like, okay, like already annoyed, like <laughs> <Okay>. your point, <laughs> yeah. And he's like, so basically like, think about like they're all chocolate ice cream. And he's like, and chocolate is your favorite. That's fine. No one's saying you can't have chocolate ice cream. He was like, but. Sometimes you may want strawberry. You're not gonna like never go. He's like, you can keep it in the fridge. You can keep it in the freezer. Like you don't majority time, you're gonna pull the chocolate. But sometimes, like maybe you want strawberry. And I was like, you know, given it's my partner, so I was kind of annoyed at him already. (laughs) But I was like, huh? Like in his annoyed metaphor, I was like, hey, that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that makes sense. But it's it was hard for me because I'm like, why like struggling with that and. And it's hard because, you know, she, he was right in an annoying way. Hopefully he's not listening. Um,
0: <laughs>
1: but he was a right in that way. Like, it's hard because we do gravitate more to what we know. But then I can't I can't advocate for people to expand their knowledge and their growth and to, to learn if I can't even step outside of my friend group that's, you know, all chocolate ice cream.
0: <laughs> right, right. You know, and, like, I, I think about that. Oh, we lost your face. There you go. Oh, are. wait. There you go. I
1: was like, coming back.
0: <laughs> You're back. I, you know, I, I, I check myself on that, right. Like, because obviously the bandwidth of of being able to sit with the pain or being able to um, surround myself by a support system of the chocolate ice cream of the, you know, Mm -hmm. the flavor that I like, of the people who get what I've gone through, that was not the experience in the beginning, you know, And, and like checking myself on that, like you were saying, you know, sit with the pain and how often is that a term we hear from like day one when we walk into this field. And I remember like, Say with the pain, motherfucker, I feel fine. What are you talking yeah. about? I feel great. And I was yeah. in a lot of pain then. And if <laughs> anyone tried to point that out to me, I'd be like, look, you want to fight? What's going yeah, on? Leave me exactly. alone. And so when I check back in with that, it's like, no wonder this this fresh, recovering dude who's sitting in front of me in a therapy session is like, What the fuck are you talking about, my yeah.
1: you
0: know, I try to remember that yes. as much as because that was me
1: exactly and that's what that's and that's the part that sometimes I forgot like with the strawberry ice cream I forgot that like obviously she's never gonna be chocolate (laughs) um (laughs) and I had to really check myself of like well they're not gonna magically do that they may I mean I think at the core and it's funny because he said this he's like at the core it's still ice cream and I was like once again annoyed and I was like (laughs) yeah and you know it's basically everything I've freaking said today (laughs) and it's such a very childlike like idea of like yeah, we can all come from different ideas and topics and backgrounds and stories and, you know, experiences. But at the end of the day, like we're human and we need to approach it that we're human beings and we need to be there for one another and build a community. Sorry, but life's fucking hard and you're not going to be able to do it by yourself. And the moment that you can be humble in that moment and lean with that, then that's when you're going to be successful.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I was just talking about this book the other day with Andrew. But have you ever uh, heard of the book *The Road Less Travel* by uh, Yes? and Scott Peck. And in the beginning, one of the first sentences in the beginning of this book is, "Life is difficult." Yes. And then you know he goes on to explain, like, once you can accept that, that's where the growth happens. That's where the healing happens. Like once you can accept that fact, and it's just, I mean, how? What a simple invitation but I think a lot of people forget, you know, I think we go through and we're we're told like, Hey, pull yourself up from your bootstraps. You've got this right. You can control this. You can take, and it's just like, look, life is difficult. You may not have control of that situation and that's okay. It's okay.
1: Yeah. You know, what's funny is that, like that even said, it's like, life is difficult. I think a lot of us have forgot about that and then 2020 hit and then everybody is like, shit, like yeah. if, if you didn't learn it, you're going to learn it today. Yeah. Okay? So, <laughs>
0: yeah. And that's thing I think. Right. Kevin Hart. <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. Um, you could put his face right there for a second. Um, but yeah, like for real though, that's, that's kind of where it's at. And I think when you think you have it all together, life is going to smack you. Um, and, and it happens at different times for everybody. I think that's why you got to just have your tribe or have people that are around. And sometimes you're meant to hurt, unfortunately, (laughs) like you're meant to hurt and struggle. Like if I didn't struggle this past year with some stuff in my life, like I wouldn't have been able to grow in ways that I was like, damn, okay. I really, I really had to grow here. You know, I would have avoided it. And I, as a therapist, you know, I struggled with vulnerability most of my life and you know, I, (laughs) the universe sat my ass down and was like, well, today is the day, Seneca. You know, Mm -hmm. you can't run away anymore. (laughs) And so (laughs) I had to learn that too really quick. Um,
0: How do you you explain that distinction to your clients? Because I I know you and I have like worked in centers together as well. And so, you know, this question comes up of like, you know, when it's like um, they're dealing with the evangelist who says everything happens for a reason and you know our clients, they get super pissed at that statement. How would you just, distinguish what you're explaining just a second ago of like getting the invitation of why certain pains exist and kind of the distinction between that and the statement of like everything just happens for a reason
1: yeah I feel like everything happens for a reason makes it seem like there is no sense I mean there is no sense of control over it but I feel like that's also just like a cookie cutter thing that people have said over time to almost like like um that's sympathy that's not empathy that's not Ah, you know that's that sympathy of like oh like that tap on the shoulder you're everything happens for a reason that's not that invitation to be like yeah you're in pain you know what do you need or how can i help you it's like that that's that's that that just that conversational jargon that we've gotten used to like when someone said that to me i'm like shut up like i don't know i think (laughs) it doesn't happen for a reason you know um And so, you know, and that's why I think like part of us, we're meant to go through pain. Like it's part of the human experience and the more, no one's going to master pain and people who think that are crazy, <laughs> um, <laughs> we're not going to master it, but you can sit with it and invite it and still be okay. Yeah. Um, but I think that's part that we forget sometimes. Like we think when pain happens, you know, it's the end of the world. Like I, you know, there's times where you feel like you can't go on anymore. But if you can invite it and sit with it, there's growing and learning in there. But most people don't want to do it because like you said earlier, it's ugly, it's painful, it hurts. Like you'll do anything to avoid it. You know what I mean? Think of people who avoid so many things in their life so they don't ever have to feel pain.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, let's talk substance use. You know, know, in any behavior, gambling, you know, excessive sex, you know, excessive shopping, you know, there's all kinds of behaviors we turn to. I love that distinction you made because it's like saying to someone, everything happens for a reason. Like you're saying, like it's sympathy. Like I I have always thought about that. And like, you just put it in like a a context where I was like, yes, bingo, like go tell someone else about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, like I hear you, but I'm not here to listen to you. Exactly. I think that's, that's like society's issue in a nutshell. Like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I get it. Go, go tell Joe about it.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's like the invitation here with, we're meant to feel pain. That's just the truth of the human body. Yeah. Like that's the truth of our emotional experience. Like for whatever reason, that's meant to be part of the deal. And that's an empathetic invitation. Cause Hey, let me tell you my experience, right? Let me, yeah. me kind of shed some light on like how, how I re- am recovering in some of these things and Yeah. instead of like, oh, it all happened for, for a reason. I always back that up with like, not the bad stuff, shit wasn't supposed to happen for a reason I don't know if there's a grand design with the bad shit that happens in life what I do know is like what you were saying is when it does happen we were meant to be able to feel it
1: mm-hmm. yeah and sometimes like I said that's the hardest thing is so you to just let yourself feel it you know you said it like substances are the number one way to turn all that shit off and not feel anything but you know, you have to feel the good, the bad, and the ugly, um, that some of the best people I know have been through some shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, like I like, I've talked to some of them and I'm like, you are, you you just be your presence here makes me feel so loved. And yet you've been through some of the worst things I've ever heard in my entire life. And yeah. so it's like, you know, and that's something that I think that's the beautiful part about it. Um, but you know, some people will never hear that. And some people will never, some of you will avoid it until they'll, they'll, some people will go like, know about this. They'd be like listening to this and they'll still avoid it forever. Sure. Um, cause they're like, these two therapists are fucking crazy. Um, yeah.
0: well, I, I have so, a lot of grace for that because there's a lot of truth in that. I'm pretty fucking crazy, but I still love you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly.
1: Right. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, it's just, it there's a beautiful process in it and you know, I feel like I get on my soapbox and I'm like, it's beautiful. And I'm like, <laughs> but it really is. You know, it's almost like once you see something, you can't unsee it. And once you feel something, you can't unfeel it. And so once you have that experience, you know, you have, you're almost hungry for it all the time. And which is why I think we do what we do. We've seen it. We love it. It sucks sometimes, but we can't unsee it now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, um, I forget that maybe Joe Dispenza, Um, he's, he does like a lot of research on meditation and neurological brain stuff, but he talks about that, like, you know, in in certain places of healing and peace, like you, you literally are, are, you know, expelling different chemicals that we utilize substances for and foods for and yada, yada and exercise for, and you can do this with like different meditation and healing processes over time. But once you feel it, it becomes a feeling of like it's so, it's such a good feeling. It's like, why would I ever want to get rid of this? Why would I ever want to lose this? So I'm not going to jeopardize this feeling of peace by saying some shit to somebody who cut me off on the road. Why would, why would I give up this feeling for that guy? Who's just trying to get where they're going to, you know?
1: Exactly. Exactly. Like it's not even worth, like you said, it's not worth it anymore because that all that energy expended is like, I can do so much more with that. Um, and when you leave with kindness and love, I feel like the energy just feels different and you don't feel like that almost like that rage that comes along with everything else. And people I feel like who are angry are always tired. Like super tired. <laughs> like they're just like those bitter old, you know, individuals. I don't know why I made them old. There's some young ones too, yeah, but
0: that's the one that popped up in your head. Yeah. An old, <laughs> angry person.
1: <laughs> I think of like Sringly from the seven dwarfs, like Grumpy. I just think yes. that's that's who walks around in that that world that they in very singular way of thinking too.
0: Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it gets into the black and white phase. You either see them in the black or you see them in the white, but either way, you don't want to be around it because you're, you're going to get hit.
1: You know? Exactly. We all know
0: that, those people. Where it's like, man, yeah. this sucks because when you are nice, I, you're hilarious, I enjoy being around you, but, like, it's, it's like two ships in the night. They cross and, and sometimes yes. they see each other and you're funny as hell and you're nice and sometimes those ships just cross and you're on one end or the other, the black and white, and it's back to you're treating me like shit
1: exactly exactly and that's the scary part
0: <laughs> yeah yeah you That's know, hopefully they get with the therapist <laughs> definitely <laughs> insert plug here <laughs> yeah god bless so Seneca I, I've, I've asked everyone this question that's come on the podcast and I'm very curious as to your answer to this mm-hmm. if you had to choose one book in the field that is like the most that you've found the most inspirational or the most inspiring what book would that be?
1: Oh my gosh. And people, and all the therapists had answers.
0: Oh uh, um, yes. Yes. To a, to a degree. Serena didn't fully answer the question. Yes. She, she dipped, dip, dive and dodged a little bit, but she answered it. <laughs>
1: Dang. I mean, um, I feel like there's so many good ones out there. I'm going to list one only because it's like the most fresh in my mind. And the one that like recently has been altering life altering for me. Um, I'm going to be mad if anybody else said it. Um, Untamed
0: by Glennon
1: Doyle. Did they say? Yes.
0: So, so Serena, Serena, Dang when it. I pressed her, she had, she had shared <laughs> untamed. So I got to read this book now because a lot of people have been, have been suggesting it. It's, it's, yes. pretty good.
1: it's really good. It's like, it's very good. It's, um, I went into it thinking like, okay, cause I, I didn't want a self help book, you know, I'm like, okay, yeah. let me. And I feel like usually when it's super mass, like it, everybody loves it I'm like it's probably really general so I was like went in like very skeptical um but I read it and I'm like wow like it's not like she says things that are new to me but she her wording and her storytelling is so amazing that it made me think about life events in a whole new way mm. so I was like wow like, I remember reading it I was just like okay and like there there's humor in there but there's also pain like Great book. Definitely recommend it. I was hesitant for a while. It came out a while ago and I was like, until I talked to one of my therapist friends, I was like, she's like, you need to do it. I think she posted about it. And then every single day she'd post a quote and I'm like, dang, these are pretty good. So finally I was like, <laughs> okay, I'm going to read it. Um, And it's so good. And it just kind of talks about, I mean, it's more, I wouldn't say it's geared towards women. um, But it's just, you know, for people who have read it or are going to read it, just know her line is there is that you're a goddamn cheetah. Okay, so like it's you know, it makes sense when you read it, but you know
0: So you got these fierce ass women that are like, Yes, yes that's you're right. Not, yes, I am. you're
1: not <laughs> yeah, you're not meant to be a docile, house trained, follow, you know, whatever expectations the world has on you. And you could I think it's she read it from a wrote it from a woman's perspective, but it could be placed on anybody, you know, living within sure. these constraints or these social constructs that why, like, why do I need to follow that rule? Why yeah. does this rule cause me so much stress, but I'm going to do it anyways.
0: It's a, it, you know, it's a recovery principle too, of like, you know, mm-hmm. the, like, even as you were saying that, like I, I was having this conversation months ago with my sponsor when I was like, well, probably almost a year ago now. So like when I first got into Alanon, and we are talking about the elephant who's chained up to a pole and it's just beat and beat and whipped. And it doesn't believe like if I go any direction, Right, because from when it was really, really small, it couldn't break off the chain. It was beat every yeah. time it tried, and it in the beginning it didn't have any strength. So now it's this ten-ton yeah. elephant that's tied to this little pole and believes that it can go nowhere. Yeah, and it's the the process of recovery is realizing that all you have to do is take a step and you break the chain. hmm
1: yeah. Exactly, and that's and like I'm telling you, the book is so good. It was like, it was kind of like I had a lot of like aha moments, but now because she said anything that was so. Like, oh my God. But it was just like the way she worded it that it was like, wow, I never thought of it that way and how it could be applied to my life. And she's actually in recovery. So she does make make a lot of references to being in recovery and what it was like to, she talks about feeling all her feelings and how alive she's felt, like feels and how amazing that how how amazing it feels to just be alive and to feel the good, the bad, and all the other in between. Um, so it's such a good book. I would definitely recommend that one. Dang it, Serena, for
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: getting me on that one. Um, but I knew great minds think alike. So <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Well, now, now I have to read it because, you know, I like the reason I asked that question is one, so I could snag all the ideas you know, yeah. in the library here. So I like to read up. and uh, But this is the second time it's been recommended. So now I, I really need to make sure I get this book.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really good. I would definitely recommend, I, I think I've told a lot of friends and they've all gone into it and, and little side note in there is she hasn't run in with a therapist in there who not good. You'll have to read oh, that story and you're like, mind blown. Yep. Well,
0: that's, a, that's a whole nother conversation for the next time I bring you on about fucking weird therapists. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> for real though, like I was reading this and I was like angry and I'm like, who? give me the name of this therapist. I know this probably HIPAA, whatever, but we're going to find her or him. But I was like, mind blown. So when you read it, you'll see. We'll we'll text about it on the side.
0: <laughs> okay, for sure. Are you are you still doing private practice, Seneca?
1: No, so I'm not right now. Um, I'm just trying to figure out my life in general, especially with the pandemic and everything. I did get an invitation from an old supervisor um, who has a thriving private practice, I believe, in like central Orange County. So I may, may not. I'm still trying to figure out what I really want to do. I'm, I'm tired. I feel like I, my hours are crazy. And, you know, with doing crisis constantly, um, I have to do a lot of self-care and a lot of, you know, pulling it back together. Cause that's all I do. I high crisis, high stabilization. So I got to working on finding the balance between that daily thing. And then finding the balance of like, what, what does Seneca need to fill that cup too?
0: Yeah. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Well, I just, I, I really appreciate you coming on. And, and for those who have listened this far, I hope you found benefit in the rants of Seneca and I going back and forth. <laughs> and, you know, Good luck.
1: Just, <laughs> you
0: know, as we talked about with the introduction, the beginning, just the, the brilliance and creativity that exists in this field. It's, it's something I've always known about you, you know, and the ways that you incorporate your work. and you know, I just really Thank appreciate you coming on and taking the time to do this. And
1: of course, shed this some is amazing. Light on the
0: activism. <laughs> yeah,
1: I know. I had to calm down my rant. Sorry, guys.
0: <laughs> I enjoyed it. it was
1: <laughs> All right. Perfect. It was a pleasure.
0: No, oh, Well, thank you, Seneca. I'm sure we'll talk real soon.
1: Yes.